Are you an organ donor? I am an organ donor. I mean, Same. I haven't currently donated yet, but I am an organ donor. Yeah, I am too. Um, I don't know. At first, there was that thought of just like, you know how they say, well, like, oh, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't check organ donor because then like, if you, let's say you're in a car accident, then like the paramedics will like try less because you're an organ donor. No way. That's what they say. Who says that? Everyone. I'm sorry. So wait, you're saying the paramedics arrive and they first <laughs> yeah. say, check his license. Yeah. Yeah. They fir- <laughs> That's the first thing that paramedics have to do. Let's He's check bleeding the license. out of his mouth. And yeah. they're like, check his license and where's the registration? <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yeah, if they see, like, you know, chances are not going not gonna to make it, like, they're just, like, straight up put a gun, put a bullet in your head. Well, this is straight up stupid. That's why I don't get into accidents, because I don't want uh, these paramedics, these sickos. That's how they get their jollies off. And you never know. They might Wait, even they sell them on the black market. they get their jollies off by donating organs? You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm... 100% guarantee you that has happened. There's at least one paramedic who does that. I mean, I think there's an easier way to get access to people's organs. Sure, there's an easier way, but there's a person doing like, that. Like, you can just get nab a person off the street. But that takes too much work. See, that's your, so he's going to do his 9 to 5 paramedic job and then, you know, start kidnapping people at the end when he can just do it in his job. I disagree, but I think this does sound like a good pilot, similar to Breaking Bad, where a paramedic needs money because he uh, is he he got cancer, he's gonna die. Yeah. Some organs present themselves via car yeah. accident. A yep. young kid. It's got to be a young kid. So we really see the fact that he's really pushing the boundaries. He just killed a kid. No, he didn't get... kill the kid. No, he killed the him. accident. Killed the kid, and he yeah, but he, he didn't do anything to he help. He slides a couple hearts in his pockets and then sells them. Oh, a couple hearts! A like couple the hearts. kid has two hearts. Well, it was a bus. It was a, a <laughs> school <laughs> bus. Okay, an gotcha. Elementary school bus, okay. man. Definitely. Oh man, that's like oh, he would have a field day. Exactly. And then we see him. You know, he slowly gets into the black market trade of yep. organs. And that's a whole nother world. Hey everyone, welcome to Wiki University, where we dive down the rabbit hole of Wikipedia to explore the sum of all human knowledge. I'm Kyle Berseth, Dean of this fine institution, and as always, I'm joined by our summa cum laude, Jason Nunez. Woo! College, college, college. Hell yeah, baby. I'm ready to learn. I love books. I love campus life. I love Greek life. That's why I signed up for Wiki University's 10-year program. Class is in session. All right, Jason, well, you want to dive in here? Feet first. No, actually, head first. Let's dive in head first, not feet first. All right, let's dive in head first. Why don't you introduce... Oh, we got to start a topic, a a timer here. We got to start a timer. Wonderful. One-hour timer on the clock, Kyle. I got it going. Professor Kyle. Yeah, that's what I was was just telling you. Oh, you're telling me there's a one-hour timer on the clock on my clock. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's dive in here, Jason. What's your topic today? My topic, well, Kyle, you know I get excited about every topic, but this one gets a little bit close to my heart because I used to live right around this area. 
this is the Taft Bridge is my topic for today. The Whoa, Taft Jason, Bridge. You're giving out your former location on the podcast. This is not good, man. Former location. Yeah, they can just ravage that location all they want. Columbia Heights. Uh, so this is uh, in D.C. This is a, a lovely little bridge that connects. That's a that overpasses the Rock Creek. Uh, well, it's not Rock Creek Road. <laughs> what road is it? Jesus Rock Christ. Creek Park Road. We'll we'll read all about it. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're. Hey, just I pulling, live there. I didn't build the place. All right, you're Get off pulling my topics out of your ass. <laughs> all right, Jason. So my topic today is deep fake. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with deep fakes? Yeah, I've he- I've heard of these. I've heard what the kids are doing with the faces. I told White Bones, I showed White Bones a video this week, and she had no idea that deep fakes existed. Her mind was blown, so I thought we better get this out on the podcast. What did you show her? What did you show her exactly then? What video? An acquaintance of mine did a video of Greta Thunberg doing a TikTok dance, teaching people how to do a TikTok dance. So she put Greta Thunberg's face on hers and did in a Norwegian accent. She's part Norwegian, so, or I don't know. What do you, if you're so like. you saying that's okay just because she was part Norwegian? If you're half Norwegian and half British, but all white, can you say you're Norwegian or can you say you're British in any situation? I mean, I feel like the British have been doing whatever the fuck they've been wanting to do for the past over 500 years. So why? They can do anything. Yeah, sure. They can claim Norwegia. Norwegia. If you were half Peruvian and half white, would you say I'd kill I'm myself. Peruvian to be? I'd kill the white half. <laughs> I'd be like, take that, white half. Take that. So you would you would say you would say you're Peruvian, I suppose, it sounds like. <laughs> only I'm Peruvian only by blood. You'd be you'd be a self hating white. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that sucks. That sucks for all those self hating whites. It gets it gets better, guys. It gets better. All right, so Jason, I think maybe we should start with the Taft Bridge and go to Deep Fake. Maybe we could you know, okay. you stuck us in D.C. with this lousy bridge. Maybe we could get to politics or something and go go down a rabbit hole of uh, swapping faces and deep fakes. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, I'm done with that. Let's dive into uh, the Taft Bridge, a.k.a. the Million Dollar Bridge. Whoa, well, I don't, hey, wh- what did I tell you about reading on the podcast? You told me not to. That's right. All right, so deep fakes... Uh, we got to find out a little bit here. Deep fakes are synthetic media in which a person in an existing image or video is replaced with someone else's likeness. While the act of faking content is not new, deep fake leverage power techniques from machine learning and artificial intelligence to manipulate or generate visual and audio content with a high potential to deceive. So we could end up getting there through machine learning, artificial intelligence. I also see here deep fakes have garnered widespread attention for their use in celebrity pornographic videos, revenge porn, fake news, hoaxes, and financial fraud. So we could get to fake news from DC maybe. You know, I never even thought about that. <clears throat> the um celebrity celebrity, celebrity pornography. Porn. That's that's nuts. It's like you don't they, yeah, it's like they don't even have to really do it. A young teenage me would have been like head would have blown off if I'd be able to see like any celebrity that I that I like on in the pornography that looked real. That looked legit. But who? But which celebrity specifically? At that time, let's see. I was really into Princess Diana. 
uh, and then Sandra Bullock too, just from Speed, from uh, you know the movie Speed. Yeah, we all know the movie Speed. <laughs> no, no, from Sandra Bullock from Speed Two. Not her, not her, not her. Speed <laughs> no. One. Sandra Bullock from Speed One. <laughs> uh, let's see, and who else did I have? Oh, um, so I used to watch a Spanish po- soap opera called Maria del Barrio. See, and it, <laughs> and it starred uh, this actress named Talia. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She broke into the American pop music scene a little bit too. I believe maybe early two thousands or mm. late nineties. Um, anyways, I was infatuated with her. I thought she was like amazingly beautiful and just like I would definitely have a deep fake if I was a kid and I'd be like able to do that. You know, to connect, to jack into the Matrix and do that. Um, <laughs> no jacking into the Matrix. You always do. That's how deep fakes get made. You got to jack into the Matrix. All right, let's let's get on to the Taft Bridge here, and then you okay. can get off on the Taft Bridge. All right, the Taft yeah. Bridge, also known as the Connecticut Avenue Bridge or William Howard Taft Bridge. I don't see Million Dollar Bridge in there. It's what locals call it, Kyle. You wouldn't know. It's a historic bridge located in the northwest quadrant of Washington, D.C. It carries Connecticut Avenue over the Rock Creek Gorge, including Rock Creek and the Rock Creek and Potomac Parkway, connecting the neighborhoods of Woodley Park and Calorama. That's where the Obamas live, I believe. Yeah, the Obamas live in Calorama. The Calorama Obamas. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Come on down to the Calorama Obama. The biggest Calorama Obama event of the year. <laughs> when they go high, we... No, when... <laughs> you got it. Yeah. When we get high, they go low. Something like that. Something like that. Put it on a t-shirt. It is named after former United States President and Supreme Court Chief Justice William Howard Taft and sits to the southwest of the Duke Ellington Bridge. Four statues of lions by sculptor Ronald Hinton Perry, known as the Perry Lions, are placed in Paris. What's that? Oh. (laughs) I'm an idiot. (laughs) Placed in pairs at both ends of the bridge. (laughs) You heard pairs as Paris? (laughs) It wasn't even capitalized. On July 3rd, 2003, the Taft Bridge was added to the National Register of Historic Places. All right, let's go to the history here. Wait, real quick. I just want to talk about those lions. Have you seen those lions? I do I do like the lions that are there. Well, I, you know, I don't want to get too far into this, but there's a section called Perry Lions. I think we should talk about them. Maybe Ooh. it has something interesting. But I had seen a while back you put this into the Excel sheet of possible topics. And I'm yes. not going to lie. I did a little snooping on the Taft yeah. Bridge. You and it went down a rabbit hole mm. of where these lions are located. Yeah. But let me tell you about the history first. Please. The classical revival bridge was built from 1897 to 1907. Ooh, a 10-year bridge. It was designed by engineer George S. Morrison and architect Edward Pierce Casey. It is an arch bridge with unreinforced concrete arches and a reinforced concrete deck. It has been called a quote-unquote engineering tour de force and the largest unreinforced concrete structure in the world, Jason. Did you know that? No. So, Kyle, I also don't know exactly what reinforced 
ah. means. So why don't you explain uh, to me a little bit about, about that? Why? What? What does it make it so special? And what would, what's the difference between the Taft Bridge and another reinforced bridge? So reinforced concrete has rebar or metal going through it, and that adds strength in terms of. I lost of, you a little bit. What do you mean going through it? Going through it. Going like, so so. All right. Laterally so, or or horizontally. Let, let me break it down for you. So you're familiar with a sidewalk, correct? Yes. See, this is a good place to start. I'm very yeah. familiar with a sidewalk. Okay, great. All right. So a sidewalk is typically four inches of concrete, and it might have a wire, me- a thin wire mesh in it, right? Because a sidewalk doesn't have to support a lot of weight. It doesn't go over a gorge. Right. So anyway, let's say you do a six-inch sidewalk, that cars have to drive on. You don't want that to crack under the weight of the car, so you would add a steel, uh, like a half-inch piece of rebar inside of the sidewalk or a grid of rebar. And rebar is like this thick, and it's about the uh, width of your finger, maybe. Mm, Okay. Off the bat, rebar sounds like like a little delicious chocolate candy treat. No, you would not want to bite into rebar. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, obviously. Um, you got to dig into some concrete first to even get a taste. <laughs> no, you can. You, the rebar and concrete don't come together. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. They're, that. they're assembled on site. <laughs> I thought concrete and rebar are like peanut butter and jelly. At any rate, uh, rebar helps reinforce the concrete and adds it. It allows it to be a little more flexible as well as much stronger. And so when you have obvious, not obviously, but an arch is a very strong structure that is stronger than just a straight, you know, straight span across a gorge. So these arches are probably incredibly strong, but it's still an engineering feat. Like you would, it would not get approved today. I see. To do unreinforced. They would mandate it that it has to have some rebar. Right, right. Okay. Every every structure you see, any building, it's got rebar going through it. It's got tubes of rebar surrounded in concrete. Like in the parking garages, when you see those big pillars, there's rebar. There's like a whole big thing of rebar inside of them, and that's reinforced concrete. Ah, okay. And uh, so really, this is like an unsanctioned bridge. Well, I guess it was sanctioned at the time. I don't know. Somebody stamped off on it, and it's a it's an engineering tour de force, probably and, because and, it hasn't fallen down. They're probably like, we did not expect it, therefore it's a tour de force. Yeah, yeah, we didn't expect it to last for this long. Yeah, now it just makes me afraid to go uh, both under and uh, through the bridge. But to give you another idea of how strong a, an arch is or a dome as well yeah. Ooh, i love me that dome i know yeah. you love that dome yeah very strong past that dome the pantheon in rome has a domed unreinforced or an unreinforced concrete dome because it was built back in the the bcs whatever sure yeah the bcs and you know that's another probably an engineering tour de force it's still standing and that's reinforced concrete I could have just clicked on the article, but... No, no. I liked it better from your own words, Teach. All right. So let's go down to the Perry Lions because I think that is interesting. And then we should move on, I think. we, so, we gotta... uh, Yeah, but real quick, you mentioned that... So the article mentioned that part of it was reinforced. The, the, the arches? No, it sounds like the 
the top of the bridge going across the, the arches is yeah. reinforced. Okay, right. Gotcha. Which you know isn't surprising because they've probably had to repave repave it or sure. repour it a couple times and probably added concrete as they went or added rebar as they went. So the Perry Lions, the bridge is guarded by four large male lions. How do they know they're male? Oh, the, the, the uh, what do you call The manes? It? The headdress, yeah. Yeah. I was like, the headdress. They, yeah, the lion they, headdress. Did they carve dicks into these <laughs> lions? Yeah, it's like, hey, how did they find out those statues were uh, male? Oh, well, they just lifted up the leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's two on each side of the bridge. Two of the lions rest on all fours with their heads tilted upwards and mouths slightly open, while the other pair lie with their eyes closed, apparently sleeping. They were originally designed and sculpted by Ronald Hinton Perry in 1906 out of cast concrete and then installed in 1907. In 1964, the lions were restored and weatherproofed by Washington-based sculptor Renato Lucchetti. Although this restoration proved to be less than entirely successful, when a major rehab of the bridge began in 1993, the lions, which were in very bad condition, were removed for further restoration. They are currently stored in the Air Rights Tunnel on southbound I-395. The sculptures were finally found to be beyond restoring. So they're just sitting in a tunnel under 395 in D.C. Oh, so that, they're not even on there right now. They took it for restoration and they're just kind of like... They, replica- they replicated them. So the same molds were used to cast bronze lions installed at the main pedestrian entrance to the National Zoo farther north. Yep. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It looks like new lions were installed in July and August of 2000. And then they also did bronze ones outside the zoo. But the original lions are still under 395. That's tough, man. I know where 395 is. That's a big highway. I wonder where. <laughs> I should start digging. I specifically told you they are currently stored in the Air Rights Tunnel. That's oh, capitalized. Air Rights Tunnel. Terrible name for a tunnel. On southbound I-395. More like airtight tunnel. I think you should go try to heist these lines, I was, I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Um, what's that Mark, Mark Wahlberg movie? Ocean's Eleven. No. <laughs> no, that the Italian the... job. Yeah, yeah. I was about to give him a quick Italian job. <laughs> give those lions a quick Italian job, if you know what I mean. I don't mean. think they're worth anything. All right, so that's kind of the end of the article. Um, I got to give a shout out to Delaware here. A replica of the Barstow Eagles. I don't. We didn't touch on the Eagles, but. Yeah, no uh, one cares about Delaware. But in a World War One monument in Middletown, Delaware. There you <clears> go. No one cares. Do you want to go to Calorama? I don't want to go too much into D.C., but we could go Calorama Obama deep fake maybe. Oh, because he was a fake president? No, I bet people have done deep fakes of Obama to try to get nuclear codes and stuff. Ooh. Don't they scan <laughs> their face or eyes or something, retinas? and? That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well. At least let's find out where he lives. All right, so this is Calorama in Washington, D.C. I think Jeff Bezos lived there, too. Now, now or at one point? He had a house there. It might be his wife's ex-wife's house now. The Calorama area within the northwest quadrant of Washington, D.C. includes the residential neighborhoods of Calorama Triangle and Sheridan Calorama. The area is accessed from DuPont Circle, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, here's the history of the neighborhood. The Calorama area was primary ror primarily rural until the close of the 19th century, lying northwest on the original limits of Washington City. Uh, yeah, Washington City from L'Enfant's original plan in 1795. That's crazy that Calorama was like farm country at that right. point. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that crazy. I, you know, I, it is crazy. I, to th I mean, it is crazy to think about it just because like I I have these um, books that uh, Liz got. She found this really cool like Washington, D.C. like blueprint from like night from 18 something. Just yeah. like how they were building up the city and you can see the maps and structures and like little. You know how they sketch little like this is what it's gonna be dude, or like I dude, mean it Lanfont so did a cool. hell of a plan. Yeah, yeah. It just looks really cool to see it from like the beginning to 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 knowing what it is now. And I'm just like blows my mind that there was just horses clicking and clacking there. Like that was like the normal thing. Well, you Dirt back roads. in the day you could just walk up to the White House and say, Excuse me. I have some some issues with the government. Yeah, you can take like your taxes and like literally talk to the president about it. And they're like, uh, you're secretary of the treasury now. We just, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to say it's crazy that this was a rural area. I want to say it's interesting because I, I did. I rarely log on to Facebook, but at one point I had joined a Los Angeles like history Facebook group or something. And. Yeah. People post like the house they grew up in and they're like, my parents bought this house in 1951 for $10,000 and now it's worth $700,000. My dad would be rolling over in his grave if he knew that. And I'm like, oh, your dad doesn't understand inflation and property <laughs> values. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's crazy that this is that it was rural. I can un I can grasp how it was rural. I just want to say it's interesting. <laughs> it is very interesting. I do, but no, it's funny that you say that. Sometimes, sometimes your brain just—it it is hard to grasp on certain things. Like, all right, well, now it does sound like both you and I are idiots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, most of, well. Look, I've known this for a while, Kyle. I don't. This is, must be news to you. But... All right, we got to move on. We got. We got to right, get right, going. Let's do it. I while you were blobbing away there, I just scrolled yeah. down to notable residents. Ooh, notable residents. Notable residents. Thank you. We gotta right. get uh, Marilyn Manson on this pot on this podcast. Man. Uh oh, he's one of the notable residents. He lives in Calorama. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. It's been home to six former presidents, Woodrow Wilson, Taft, who had a freaking na uh, bridge named after him. Whoa, this is pretty legit. William Howard Taft lived in the large colonial revival house at 2215 Wyoming Avenue. I'm giving out his location from Whoa. 1921 until his death in 1930. So he was alive to cross the Taft Bridge. His that's, own bridge. That's pretty cool. Whoa, that is kind of cool. Uh, there and I, I, I know I keep getting off topic here, but there's an area in downtown LA, like, like an art center. We would walk our dog up around the art center, and they named the restrooms after someone, <laughs> like after a family, like the Nunez what? family restrooms. Because like, <laughs> the family died there or something? Yeah, no, I don't know. I guess they made a <laughs> donation. And they're like, we got to name something. And it's like, 
is this the legacy of my family? But then to be alive and shit in those restrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, dude, I, I would. Hey, let's dig in more. How much will I have to donate to get a bathroom named after me at any sort of center with the arts? You got to be really passionate about pooping to get that yeah, bathroom. You got to be very de dedicated. I have to. My superlative would have to be dedicated to the arts of shitting. It's like that artist that makes uh that like smears poop Art, all over poop? the Virgin Mary or something like that. Oh god, who's that? Picasso? Yeah, that was Picasso. All right, so the Roosevelts also lived there. They lived at two one three one R Street. We gotta Google some of these addresses and check them out on Zillow. Take a tour. Yeah, you know what I'm imagining? Like all the pre I'm imagining like if they're all living in this around the same time and it's like a sitcom and all the presidents live next to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. well, how'd Taft get a bridge? Yeah, it's just regular like suburban conflict, but like with presidents. With pre that's a, hey man, that's a good sitcom. Yeah, that's a good cartoon. All right, Warren Harding lived at two three one four Wyoming Avenue. Herbert Hoover also lived in the neighborhood. Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and their two daughters have lived in Calorama since Barack Obama's presidency ended in January twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Jeff Bezos purchased a house in Calorama in 2016. Oh, President Jeff Bezos? Yo, Jeff Bezos purchased, it was formerly the Textile Museum. The prop property is currently undergoing renovation. He just bought a museum and was like, yeah, I want to live I'm gonna in this live here. now. <laughs> Yo, yeah, that's, that's what I would do. I'd go to the Smithsonian and be like, you know what? I'm going to live here now. I don't, have to do, I don't have to do much decorating now that I'm looking around. I'd also hire a butler that anytime he answers the door, he's like, we have many tapestries. <laughs> Do you get that reference? No. <laughs> uh, it's the textile museum. We have many tapestries. It's from uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um, anyway, here we go. We could definitely. I'm a Gen, I'm a Gen Z, so I like barely remember that movie, Cal. Huh? Just to remind you. Yeah, I know. Uh, Gen Z here walking through. Watch I know, out. Gen Z. Uh. I know. Gosh, you're so youthful. Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, have rented a six-bedroom, 6,870-square-foot home in Colorado since December 2016. I hate to do it, but we could Real go. Real quick, I love, can I tell you a little tidbit about that? I've actually been there for an interview for Mr. Jared himself. In fact, uh, I definitely saw him made eye contact. I smiled at uh, Ivan Ivanka. Wow. She smiled back. Now, am I saying there was a connection? Look, I don't know, but I was the only brown person around. And I, I know for a fact we made eye contact. I was wearing my glasses, so I know that for sure. Uh, and I smiled, and uh, she smiled back. This I is... want to just warn you that when a woman of that stature smiles at you, a brown person, she's smiling because she wants to put you in a cage. Well, see, I was already in a cage. Ah. So, she, so yeah, what do you say to that? She wants to put you in a smaller one. <laughs> Yo, can I be honest, though? She was breathtaking. Ivanka was? <laughs> yeah, she's beautiful. Okay. No joke. Yeah. That's why. Why do you think I smiled? It's like I, I wasn't even thinking about who she is or is related to. Like the smile just came because I like smiling at beautiful women, I guess. And then she smiled back. I was like, OK, cool. Uh, so we 
could go to one of these notable residents, either Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner. I know it's probably easier to get to fake news by going to Ivanka Trump, but, uh, you know. Yeah, she's a dime piece. She's a 10. I like... <laughs> <laughs> I like I things are usually easier when you got dime pieces next to you. Yeah, I would prefer to go to the Obamas or we could go to something else different altogether. What do you think, Jason? Uh, let's, I'm in it to win it, man. I mean, you know me. I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean right on this occasion because I like <laughs> I like Ivanka. But I totally understand. Maybe we should dig into something else. Oh, or we could go to Jeff Bezos and get to like technology. I've heard he's like into technology a little bit. Yeah, he's a big fan. I'll say it's your choice. Okay. Uh, let's do that then. Let's do, before I get all horned up and start talking about Ivanka again, let's might as well go into Jeff Bezos and his bald ass. All right. I went to Ivanka Trump because I want to see you all horned up. <laughs> yeah, I had to like not be so like, yeah, dude, I was just like, whoa, that's like all jokes aside. It wasn't like horned up. It was just like, oh, wow, this lady is fucking beautiful. Well, that's her mom joke. is a model and her dad uh, equals that out, evens that yeah. out. <laughs> it's like yeah. two ends of the spectrum. Right. All right. I'm on Jeff Bezos. He's an okay. American Internet entrepreneur, industrialist and media proprietor and investor. We could go to media proprietor or Internet entrepreneur. Anyway, we can keep going here. I think media proprietor would be good because didn't wasn't there talks about Amazon buying TikTok and TikTok is huge is a huge lead in to it was Microsoft was gonna buy TikTok. Okay. Okay, that's right. At any rate, Jeff Bezos was born in Albuquerque and raised in Houston and later Miami. Bezos graduated from Princeton University in 1986. He holds a degree in electrical engineering and computer science. He worked on Wall Street in a variety of related fields from 1986 to 1994. Bezos founded Amazon in late 1994 on a cross-country road trip from New York City to Seattle. Just founded it while driving? He didn't even have a smartphone. That's probably that's probably what was his thinking. What like he's on the road and he's like, man, like I really I really need this thing, but I can't have it delivered to my house because I have left my house, but I'm gonna be arriving at this other place. He's driving and clicking away on the laptop on the passenger seat. That's interesting. Does it say exactly how like he came up with it? Because I believe obviously it started with books, but like started was... with books. Here's another little side story. Uh, White Bones and I took a, one of those horse and carriage rides down in Charleston, South Carolina. Oof, that was your nuts. Well, we were in the carriage. We weren't on the horse. Oh, okay. I thought you barebacked it. Anyway, we had this tour guide named Ty with a you know chill southern accent, and yeah. he was pointing out all these historical places, and he's like, and this house over here belonged to some white dude and his wife back in the day, blah, 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 and that room over there... That uh, that's the library of the house, and in there they got uh, books. <laughs> and all the time we still go books, books, books. <laughs> but there was just this long pause of like, what's in a library? What's yeah, in a yeah, library? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ty, you can do it. Books. <laughs> All right, so uh, Bezos founded Amazon in late 1994 on a cross-country road trip from New York City to Seattle. That's called Cannonball Run North. 
The company yep. began as an online bookstore and has since expanded to a wide variety of other e-commerce products, blah, blah, blah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm glad we kept reading, including video and audio streaming, cloud computing, and artificial intelligence. Should we go to artificial intelligence, you think? It definitely has to do with that kind of stuff, that that tech. Yeah. But I, I believe AI straight up leaps over deepfake? Um, deepfake stuff. I think deepfakes is sub AI. I, I mean, everything, anything is sub AI, baby. Yeah, it's gonna rule the when world. You get AI involved, but yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's um, pull the trigger on that. All right. Did you know he also founded a space company? Founded the aerospace manufacturer and suborbit spaceflight service services company Blue Origin in two thousand. No, is it still going? Is that? Uh, Blue Origin's new Shepard vehicle reached space in 2015 and afterwards successfully landed back on Earth. The company has upcoming plans to begin commercial suborbital human spaceflight. He also purchased the major American newspaper, the Washington Post, in 2013 for $250 million and manages many other investments through his Bezos Expedition, Expeditions Venture Capital Firm. The first centi-billionaire on the Forbes Wealth Index, Bezos was named the quote-unquote richest man in modern history after his net worth increased to $150 billion in July 2018. In August 2020, he really, really capitalized off of the COVID-19 pandemic and his wealth grew by approximately $24 billion dollars. During the pandemic. Nice. And his wife got half of that jump, right? She got a nice little payout. That's, now that's alimony. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure she was helpful in his life. I mean, Jesus, to marry him, he looks like a, <laughs> he's no Ivanka, that's all. Yeah, it looks like a real tight butthole, to be honest. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Yeah. It looks like he's got the tightest butthole. You need a lot of lube to get in that butthole. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I want. I want something all loosey-goosey, you know, ready to go. That's Jeff Bezos' motto. You're going to need a lot of lube to get into <laughs> this butthole. Yeah. Order it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. All right, Jason. I went to Artificial Intelligence. Perfect. And I bet it's a long article, but I have a funny feeling deep fakes has to be in here. Has to be Artificial intelligence, also known as AI, is intelligence demonstrated by machines, unlike the natural intelligence displayed by humans and animals, which involves conscious and consciousness and emotionality. The distinction between the former and latter categories is often revealed by the acronym chosen. Strong AI is usually labeled as artificial general intelligence, while attempts to emulate natural intelligence have been called artificial biological intelligence. Leading AI textbooks define the field as the study of intelligent agents, which is any device that perceives its environment and takes actions that maximize its chance of successfully achieving its goals, like taking over the world and killing yeah. humans, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. There's regulation. There's also philosophy and ethics. Maybe, oh, maybe the impact. There's risks of narrow AI and risks of general AI. 
What's the difference between what is it normal, regular, normal? Here, let me go. Let me just go AI. down there to impact. The long-term economic effects of AI are uncertain. A survey of economists showed disagreement about whether the increasing use of robots and AI will cause substantial increase in long-term unemployment, but they generally agree that it could be a net benefit if productivity gains are redistributed. A 2017 study by PricewaterhouseCoopers sees the People's Republic of China gaining economically the most out of AI with a 26.1% of GDP GDP until 2030. A February 2020 European Union white paper on artificial intelligence advocated for artificial intelligence of economic benefits, including quote-unquote improving health care, which makes diagnoses more precise. Remember when we did haptic technology and we talked about doing surgery with... That's right, through a PlayStation 5. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can do surgery with your PlayStation now. Yeah, hell yeah, you can. It'll also increase the efficiency of farming, contributing to climate change mitigation and adaptation, improving the efficiency of product... Uh, production systems throughout predictive maintenance while acknowledging the potential risks let's see risks of narrow ai so i don't i don't know what narrow ai is but widespread use of intel artificial intelligence could have unintended consequences that are dangerous or undesirable probably not to the robots it's probably very desirable to the robot scientists from the Future of Life Institute, among others, described some short-term research goals to see how AI influences the economy, the laws and ethics that are involved with AI, and how to minimize AI security risks. In the long term, the science scientists have proposed to continue optimizing function while minimizing possible security risks that come along with new technologies. Some are concerned about algorithmic bias that AI programs may unintentionally become biased after processing data that exhibits bias. That's crazy that the robots can get biased because I guess they're getting influenced by data that's being influenced by humans. Right, because they find patterns. This makes me think of, uh, see, Liz's dad uh, kept... Uh talking about how he's got this cool new like system that reads the water like it just knows the water how much water is being used from the kitchen from every part of the house the shower the, and he keeps telling me like yeah it's learning like uh how much water we use it's getting to know our habits and, and stuff like that so my head's my head's just going like well one time one day it's gonna know your habits and then you're gonna want to like take a long shower and then the thing's gonna be like no you're only allowed eight minutes and we're shedding the water off all of this because... all of a sudden the robot just applies prison rules yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. not only that it's cold water yeah you've used your allotment it shows how much kyle hasn't been to prison because eight minutes for a shower jesus that's a luxury uh that's a luxury prison <laughs> not only that a, a giant dude walks in and he's like i'll shower you now the robot sent me <laughs> starts rubbing liz's dad's shoulders yeah it's either eight minutes or or whether that big guy comes in whichever comes first 
It's usually the end of your shower. <laughs> so yeah, so that got me thinking. I'm like, that's. I mean, that's cool and all, but like, yeah, what if something like that happens where it's like, it it'll stop. It will. It can essentially stop the water because it knows better than you, quote unquote. Right. Right. So, well, I'm sure there's an override. Yeah, I don't think so. You just have to have your phone in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> there is like a button. He showed me. There's like a button in the basement where the uh, water, all the pumps are and stuff. That's like emergency shut off or something. But yeah. I think the robot is going to cancel that button. <laughs> Liz, Liz always like, or I got some family that's just always like, oh, they don't want to do like online banking or they don't want to do like yeah. this and that because it's all... They don't want to do Venmo because they don't trust it and stuff like that. And I'm just like, what? start accepting the technology. It's here to stay. It's only going to make your life easier. And oh, they I already know. have all the information. They already have all the information they could ever want and or need to end your life or steal it. Some of your aunts that you've told me about, I feel like probably have to burn about 14 candles and sacrifice a raven before they can send a Venmo transfer. Oh, yeah, that's before they go to the ATM. There's all a ritual of that <laughs> or else they believe money is not going to come out of the ATM. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not how the banking system works. ATM gods, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She lights up a little uh, un, uh, a little candle, the uh, La Virgen de Guadalupe. And then she like, you know, has a couple of little stone like rocks like divided in like perfect angles facing uh the Ma- mary yeah and she just burns an incense and waits till the candle uh flames out so usually if my aunt wants to take money out it's a two-day process <laughs> in between she goes to work and gets paid that goes into her bank account and the straight, candles yeah. work every time yeah yeah exactly all right i'm gonna go down to philosophy and ethics because i i feel like it's gotta be under ethics, right? Ethics, sure, sure. There are three philosophical questions related to AI, Jason. Ooh. One, whether artificial general intelligence is possible, whether a machine can solve any problem that a human being can solve using intelligence, or if there are hard limits to what a machine can accomplish. Two, whether intelligent machines are dangerous how humans can ensure the machines behave ethically and that they are used ethically. Three, whether a machine can have a mind, consciousness, and mental states in the same sense that human beings do. If a machine can be sentient, what's sentient mean? Do you know? Sentient, meaning it going from like thinking, being able to think for themselves. Ah, sentient is the capacity to be aware of feelings and sensations. We don't need to give these robots sensations. <laughs> oh, whoa. Damn, cow. That's very, uh, that's very, uh, that's dangerous speak right there. Jason, I want these robots to give me sensations. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Of course. It's like the movie Her. Yeah. Or his or her. His or it's, her. It's, it's, been, it's now called his or her. The sequel is they, them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If a machine can be sentient and thus deserve certain rights, and if a machine can intentionally cause harm. Interesting. I wonder if, you know, we're running low on time here, but I do see the word deepfake, so I'm feeling pretty confident. Beautiful. But I wonder if, you know, back in cavemen times, I'm sure the, and ladies. Cave lady times. Cavemen yeah. and cave women. Cave they thems, and I bet they had no respect for animals, 
And over time, they started to say, hey, maybe animals deserve certain rights. Maybe they're yeah. a bit sentient. So are robots going to slowly get rights and be treated yeah, I mean, yeah. like that's, animals? Yes, that's. I feel like that's the basis of 80% of science fiction novels and movies. Does it sure. start with cyborgs, like half human, half robots, and then it becomes full robots, and you can't tell who's who anymore, so you got to treat everyone with the uh, respect of a human? That's interesting, too. I don't know if we've, we've... I don't think I've seen a movie or not, or a novel that has that, but, you know, it, just, it usually starts with, you know... Uh, man creates machine. Yep. To make you know, for the benefit of man, life man gets easier. creates machine. Man has sex with machine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then man uh, creates machine. Man is displeased with machine. Man creates machine with hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny that you say you know uh, animals because that's exactly where my head was at. Where pets wise, like I I like you know like. I treat my pets well because I feel like they have rights. They have the right to eat. They have the right to sleep. They have the right to have fun just like anybody else. So I I treat them as such. And I feel like the same, you know, just as human beings, when you see something like an animal having these, you connect with it because it has these certain human characteristics. Yeah. Like you, you see their eyes move and look into your eyes or right. Yeah. For instance, uh, the other day I was so surprised. I'm like, I just, I guess I never really took the time to like realize how smart cats are. Like their feelings can get hurt too, like right away. And they respond with crying just like a human being. Right. And same thing with that. Same thing when when we see, when we're going to get robots to do our things, you're going to, there's going to be a time where they're so advanced that you see human characteristics in them. And there's going to be that exact, uh, you know, fight of like, well, do these things deserve rights or not? You know, I don't want no machines voting. I'll tell you that much. The the voting machines are machines. The voting machines. What if the voting machines could vote? That's fucked up. All right, Jason, we got to we got to move on. <laughs> Above philosophy and ethics, I see something about social media here. With social media sites overtaking TV as a source of news for young people, Gen Z, Cheddar News, and news organizations increasingly reliant on social media platforms for generating distribution, major publishers now use AI technology to post stories more effectively and generate higher volumes of traffic. AI can also produce deepfake, a content-altering technology. ZDNet reports, quote unquote, it presents something that did not actually occur. Though 88% of Americans believe deep fakes can cause more harm than good, only 47% of them believe they can be targeted. Huh. And do Americans know do Americans know percentages? Because how is there 80 and then 40%? Well, they're two separate questions, but it, it's kind of like Americans, 47% of them have the attitude of you and 53% of them have the attitude of your aunt where they're like, they're going to get me. Right. 47% of Americans are like, they don't want to get me. They don't want to deep fake me. I, I bet Jason, you would be honored to be deep faked in a porn. 
Yeah, no, that'd be cool. I mean, I'll pay, I'll start up a Patreon for that to get that done. But in terms of uh, in terms of people using deep fakes to like fuck people's lives up or something like that, I'm just like, who, like, who's the, who's got the the time? Who who wants to target me? I'm a nobody. Yeah, let's find out. I don't know. All right, as I said, deep fakes have garnered widespread attention for their uses in celebrity pornographic videos, revenge porn, fake news, hoaxes, and financial fraud. So I guess you might fall in the financial fraud category. This has elicited responses from both industry and government to detect and limit their use. So we could start with history. There's also techniques. There's, And then I think maybe we should techniques do a little history. And then go to applications, because under applications, I see blackmail, pornography, politics, art, acting, movies. You had me at blackmail pornography. Let's do it. And then internet meme. Very, it really drops down in terms of like riskiness. And we got to go to this last subcategory of applications. Just says sock puppets. (laughs) What? Oh, boy. I'm interested to see a sock. I've been turned into a sock puppet my you know a couple times in my day. The old deep fake sock puppet. In my 20s. All right, here's a little history. Photo manipulation was developed in the 19th century and soon applied to motion pictures. Technology steadily improved during the 20th century and more quickly with digital video. So in the 19 in the 1800s, they were even like, yeah, but what if we put Charlie Chaplin's face? On that dude. Hitler? On <laughs> the same guy. Yeah, same guy. You won't be able to tell the difference. They're both they're both little goofy fellas. A lot of physical comedy, both of those guys. <laughs> oh yeah. Hitler was always slipping on bananas and this is not good, but I just had an image of Hitler at a concentration camp, like trying to turn on valves and stuff, and he just keeps like falling and hanging on different pipes and swinging around. He's like trying to turn on like the hose, the big fire hydrant or some <laughs> shit, and he just can't. All right. Uh, um, oh, so I see. I do see Barack Obama's name in here. After all, contemporary academic projects have focused on creating more realistic videos and on pr- and on improving techniques. The quote-unquote synthesizing Obama program, published in 2017, modifies video footage of former President Barack Obama to depict him mouthing the words contained in a separate audio track. That's pretty incredible. The project lists as a main research contribution its photorealistic techniques for synthesizing mouth shapes from audio. The face-to-face program, published in 2016, modifies video footage of a person's face to depict them mimicking the facial expressions of another person in real time. Yeah, this is like some Mission Impossible shit that's happening. Right. Right. The project lists as a main research contribution the first method for reenacting facial expressions in real time using a camera that does not capture depth, making it possible for the technique to be performed using common consumer cameras. The, yeah, this doesn't seem doesn't seem safe. Well, I mean, when you can manipulate video footage to make it look like anything you want, of course it's not safe. Yeah, it's, it might be a bad thing. Researchers have also shown that deepfakes are expanding into other domains, such as tampering medical imagery. In this work, it was shown how an attacker can automatically inject 
or remove lung cancer in a patient's 3D CT scan. The result was so convincing that it fooled three radiologists and a state-of-the-art lung cancer detection AI. So it's fooling AI, even. To demonstrate the threat, the authors successfully performed the attack on a hospital in a white hat penetration test. Ah, Jason's done a lot of white hat penetration tests, I'm sure. It's the only way I do penetration hats, baby. I throw on my white hat. What the hell's a white hat penetration test? <laughs> Would you like to know? Oh, it's uh, it's actually a club in Baltimore that I know of. <laughs> the white hat <laughs> penetration test is a club yeah. in Baltimore? <laughs> yeah. A white hat is an ethical computer hacker. Oh, okay. So they purposely hack this hospital system just to prove that it sucks. All right, let's go down to applications and then wrap up this episode. So blackmail. Deepfakes can be used to generate blackmail materials that falsely incriminate a victim. However, since the fake cannot reliably be distinguished from genuine materials, victims of actual blackmail can now claim that the true artifacts are fakes, granting them plausible deniability. The effect is to void credibility of existing blackmail materials, which erases loyalty to blackmailers and destroys the blackmailer's control. Oh, they're using it against blackmail? Or like with anything, Kyle, new technology, you can use it for bad or you can use it for good. True. All right. Now we're getting now we're getting into the good part. The phenomenon can be termed blackmail inflation since it devalues real blackmail, rendering it worthless. So I guess if you're being blackmailed via, like, celebrity porn, if you're a celeb being blackmailed via celebrity porn, you just put out more deep fake celebrity porn of yourself, right? Saturate the that's, market. That's one, one angle to take, yeah. <laughs> one method. Uh, well, here's the pornography section. This is just a small little taste. There is a separate article for deep fake pornography. Oh, wow. Many deep fakes on the internet feature pornography of people, often female celebrities, whose likeness is typically used without their consent. Deep fake pornography prominently surfaced on the internet in 2017, particularly on Reddit. A report published. Can I get the exact website? Can I get the exact Reddit website, please? Reddit.com. And subscribing. Okay. <laughs> other prominent pornographic deep fakes were of various other celebrities. As of. Uh, 2019, most of the deepfake subjects on the internet were British and American actresses. However, around a quarter of the subjects are South Korean, the majority of which are K-pop stars. Aren't they young, too? Aren't K-pop stars, like, boy bands and little girl yeah, bands? Much. I mean, who, did, who didn't want to see uh, Justin Timberlake back in the day, you know? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what well, I'm saying? Bye, bye, bye. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there are politics, of course. Deepfakes have been used to misrepresent well-known politicians in videos. Here you go. In separate videos, the face of Argentine President uh, Mauricio Macri, so his face has been replaced by the face of Adolf Hitler, and Angela Merkel's face has been replaced with Donald Trump's. That's a good bit, Argentina. 
Props to that. In 2018, Jordan Peele collaborated with BuzzFeed to create a deepfake of Barack Obama with Peele's voice. It served as a public service announcement to increase awareness of deepfakes. Use deepfakes to create deepfakes to create public awareness of deepfakes? Yeah, super meta. That's where we're at right now. Here we are, Jason. We're down to deepfake sock puppets. The bottom of the deepfake barrel, (laughs) I think. That's deep. Deepfake uh, photographs can be used to create sock puppets, which are non-existent persons. My butthole could be used to make sock puppets. (laughs) So like a person puts their arm up there? Uh, Yeah, I mean, my butthole is a sock puppet, I should say. (laughs) I told you, sock puppets. What they used to call me uh, back in the yard. They used to call you sock puppet? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was your prison nickname? Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) make him talk boys yeah all right well deep fake photographs can be used to create sock puppets i'm going to sock puppets because i don't think this is the traditional sock puppet a sock puppet account is an online identity used for purposes of deception the term a reference to the manipulation of a simple hand puppet made from a sock originally referred to a false identity assumed by a member of an internet community who spoke to or about themselves while pretending to be another person. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of people have like their regular Instagram account and then they're like sock puppet. Yeah, their sock puppet account where they just they can they feel free to follow whoever mm, and their you know, shadow account shadow account and stuff like that which i'm just like that's so that's so much time i barely keep up with the shit that i have on my own why would i open up a second account for other oh it feels exhausting it feels super exhausting all right well hey man that's the episode we're done we made it we we made it it once again baby the taft bridge to calorama to deep fakes again i keep getting surprised but i feel like we're just we just keep getting better at this i i I figured it would take us long more steps to get to it people can follow us at wiki university on instagram and be sure to like and subscribe and review the podcast like and subscribe and remember just take a screenshot you send it to us and we're going to be getting out we're going to be getting some stuff uh, sooner, hopefully sooner than later, and hopefully you'll you'll win a little prize if you send us a screenshot over D, slid, slide into our DMs over at WikiU Wiki University Instagram. Uh, if you show us your five star review uh, from Apple, then uh, yeah, well you're in the drawing. All right, there you go. We don't even know what the drawing is yet, but uh, wow, you're really teasing it early. Got to tease it early, baby. Got to tickle them in the bottom. You know that's where they feel it. The old taint tickle. All right, bye, Jason. Bye. Ooh, that's milky.